Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you and thanks very much just to Brandt, uh, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Of course, uh, the wonderful green and yellow machines uh, that uh, are John Deere. So you're in the market for that type of equipment. There's only one place to go and that's your local Brandt outlet. We have an um, interesting show this morning. We're going to start with Talkback, actually. We invite you to call on 0800 150 number of issues to talk about. Of course, uh, Campbell Johnson coming out as a first openly gay All Black um, seemed to make massive news last night. Interesting. Um, he's ready to be, is rugby ready to be more inclusive at the top level? Um, will be interesting to hear your point of view on that. Uh, the next All Black coach, is it as simple as Scott Robertson or is it now Scott Robertson, Jamie Joseph? Uh, could it be Dave Rennie, Joe Smith? Um, are they all in the market for the job and uh, are you absolutely convinced it's just a lay down mazir a lay down mazir for Scott Robertson uh, Eddie Jones is uh, talking the Wallabies winning the World Cup talking them breaking the Bledisloe Cup duck of 22 years uh, he got a hero's welcome at the Sydney seven, Sevens he had a little cameo appearance there and apparently uh, he got uh, all the, the great welcome that uh, Eddie Jones would expect he would get when he was in Australia the one he didn't get when he was England and also I suppose uh, keeping it on the rugby issue um, the Blackfern Sevens just winning so conclusively time after time uh, they hardly even concede a try these days let alone a match um, is the dominance a worry uh, is the dominance a worry for the sport are you just absolutely thriving on it uh, you get some uh, text too on the temper bedpost text line double eight double three after 9.30 we shall talk to uh, former white Noel Barclay uh, of course, uh, Noel is a uh, uh, former all-white of uh, 20 caps, uh, going back to the 80s, three-time New Zealand Footballer of the Year. Uh, we're going to talk about the FA Cup and uh, other things football. The FA Cup, of course, round four matches over the weekend with some real David and Goliath matchups. Uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, I think uh, we'll take our last look at uh, the NFL for the year. We'll talk to Jared Cronin, of course, or will we? We'll probably preview the, the Super Bowl as well and uh, have one more crack at it. But certainly, uh, yesterday's uh, games, one was uh, a thriller and one was not even a match. Incredible. Uh, a panel this morning with Jamie Wall and James Regan. Um, so on all those issues we're going to talk about uh, with you, hopefully. We can talk about with those gentlemen as well. Uh, we shall have uh, a stump smithy around about 11.30 this morning. We'll have a, a visit to the sports desk, uh, sports desk with all sorts of things. Um, and uh, we'll also talk to Regan Wood after 11 o'clock too. Now Regan is the uh, CEO of Auckland Tuatara. And that includes um, the, the, football te- uh, the basketball team and the baseball team, I should say. So, uh, But the baseball team, uh, their season is over. We'll get a wash up on that particular season with Regan Wood. So uh, plenty for you to react to, uh, reiterate to double eight double three the text, keep them coming in on any number of issues, don't really care uh, if you want to talk about the, the Campbell Johnson thing, that's fine um, you know, just uh, 
Breeze on in. Enjoy your company. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I haven't really prepared any written sermon this morning, but I, I just prompted by uh, that announcement from Campbell Johnson uh, last night on the network uh, TVNZ uh, with Hilary Barry to, to come out and say, look, I'm the first gay All Black. Um, I, I must admit there were rumours being floating around for a long, long time, um, and uh, I don't think it was a great surprise to a lot of people, although it appeared to be a revelation around the country. Uh, the, the thing is that... Uh, why is it with men? Why is it with men and men's sport that they are so reticent? Or is it the fact that there just aren't too many gay men playing top-level sport as such? We went through this, didn't we, with Ian Roberts uh, at Manly. That was a big issue. Um, and, of course, uh, everyone in the NRL said, oh, big, tough guys, how can we possibly? And Ian Roberts was a big, tough guy, a fantastic NRL uh, rugby player, rugby league player. And, and of course, he, he came out, and that, that rocked the boat a wee bit. This, well, I don't think this uh, Campbell Johnson thing will rock the boat too much because I think society's changed. Um, look, look, just cross the fence into the women's side of things. Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova, two of the greatest uh, tennis players of all time, both married to women. Uh, you look throughout the whole of the cricket scene. Um, women married, we have uh, two wives playing for New Zealand, Leah Tahuhu, Amy Satterthwaite, with children. Uh, throughout the Australian women's cricket team, Many, many uh, lesbian relationships or lesbian marriages. Not a problem. Absolutely not a problem. No one bats an eyelid. Um, so are we past that now? You know, have we gone past that? Um, and the, and the, the Black Ferns, number of um, marriages, a number of uh, openly lesbian relationships, not a problem. So why is it, um, why is it uh, uh, an issue for men in, in that respect? Is it the fact that at secondary school level, uh, when young lads feel as if they, they may be gay and they don't want to be exposed to being gay, they steer away from team sports. They steer, steer away from those particular issues because they're worried about it. They're worried about the outcome of it. They're worried about the reception that they will get. Whereas young girls migrate to those areas because they feel they're part of a team and you know they feel like they can be more open about their relationships because the team is more acceptable. Is that where it's at? To me, I... I I'm asking questions here and I'd love your answers. I'd really love your answers. 0800 150 811. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. And it's a big good morning to uh, Brian from uh, Hibiscus Coast. Uh, Brian, I hope you listened the other day with uh, Michael Guerin. I hope uh, he answered some of your questions anyway. That's what I'm ringing about. I couldn't ring yesterday morning, Ian. The phones were out, but uh, okay this morning. I wanted to thank you for that uh, question to uh, Michael Guerin, but he's a great politician. He went round and round, up and down, in and out, and I couldn't understand a, a word. So I'm none the wiser, Ian. And quickly, um, on Saturday, I could not watch trackside of Trentham as I attended a fellow vintages. 90th birthday and mm. uh, I um, looked in the paper on Sunday morning and the only piece about Trentham was uh, about the favourites falter in the cup with Waisaki and the other horse he had in there uh, and I see Lederboard won at 50 to 1. Now in uh, just one meeting Premier meeting Trentham but not a word in 
Sunday's Herald or Monday's Herald. I thought that was disappointing. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you, Brian. I mean, you know, one of the other things I learnt uh, over the course of uh, you bringing up, actually, and making this uh, more apparent was we got a text in to say that uh, one of my favourite uh, standalone type TABs uh, as part of the Hamilton Workingmen's Club, so it's not exactly standalone, but it is its own shop in that regard, is closed down. Um, now, I don't, I don't get that. I really. Now that was a busy one. It's a service to also all the members of the Working Men's Club. Um, I, I just do not understand um, if no. you want someone to buy your product while you keep closing the shop door. I, I really don't. And, and right. if you want people to be interested in your product, I, I don't understand why you don't publicise your product. I mean, what you're saying is absolutely dead right. The Wellington Cup used to be a, a time-honoured event that people around the whole country, whole country would be interested. It was our classic two-mile race. It was just a brilliant, yes. brilliant race. And now it doesn't rate a mention. So within the marketing system of the, the TAB, and they are partners in uh, a lot of the things that we do here on SENZ, uh, they've got to get better. They simply have to get better of recognising what's coming up and what just happened. It's, a, it's a, you know, I, I, I find it staggering, absolutely staggering that you have to yep. search high and low to find a race result in this country. I do. And just quickly, uh, for me and other senior guys, that uh, we just want to open our Herald in the morning, see what the fields are, and then we might go up to the tab for a, a punt or we'll, we'll watch it on, on trackside and hopefully the next day we'll see how our horses run. Um, that's all we want, but it's not coming now for us old fellas. No, it's not coming for um, you know, the older generation as that, as, and still mm. the older generation um, are very much part of the propping up side of, of the racing industry. Uh, they, you know, not, not necessarily yep. your big punters, but they still vet in volumes um, because that's what they've done uh, throughout their life. And throughout their life, mainly, they've been well informed about it. Not so now. Uh, thank you, Ian, very much. Cheers now. Cheers, Cheers, Brian from Hibiscus Coast. G'day, John. Good morning to you, John from Auckland. Hey, good morning, Smitty. Yeah, um, just on Campbell Johnson there. You're totally right. It's good to see people coming out nowadays and you know, just expressing how they feel and who they love and good on them. I think for rugby union and rugby league in New Zealand, um, it's been a very masculine, you know, kind of toxic masculinity, as you say, kind of sport in this country. And being in the locker rooms for so many years, um, you can understand that there has been a lot of homophobia and and um, it's, it would have been hard for a lot of young people to come out and say, you know, this is who I love and this is how I am. And as unfortunate as it was in the past, uh, I, I believe that it's starting to be more open nowadays. But, you know, I can just remember when I was at high school, you know, the word um, gay was seen as kind of taboo, mate. And, um, and all changing rooms right up until senior rugby. Um, you know, if you'd come in and come to the showers and um, look at someone, you'd be marked as someone that was gay. So I think it's a big turning point for a lot of people in New Zealand, especially for rugby union. And I believe they need to do more around um, those communities to make them feel inclusive. And I think Campbell Johnson is one that has come forward. And even though he was an all-black in 2005, nearly 20 years ago, it's good to see him 
um, just come forward to the public and say, yeah, this is me and this is who I am. Exactly, John. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you, quite clearly. Um, but uh, way back in, in our uh, secondary school days, never mentioned. Uh, it just it simply wasn't. And I, I think, you know, you go back to the point now where in, in women's society, um, it, it is... It is just so open and honest, and it's you know it's just, and they're proud of it, and they ha- they you know they openly show their relationships. They have children with these relationships. They're married, you know. They get on. They play the same sports. Uh, they're very proud, and they're a great example. The men's side of things has been oh god no, this is terrible. We can't have this sort of thing, and it stems way way back because yeah. I, I believe it stems back to that age you're talking about, that secondary school age you're talking about. When you think, or you think you might, um, you know, you, you might be gay, or you are gay, but you certainly don't want to be uh, revealed as being gay. So you steer away from yeah. those sports where you might be exposed, and and those those group sessions or those group uh, team events of that where you might be exposed for it. Um, whereas um, young, young uh, secondary school girls or or girls who have left school go to university level, they migrate to those sports. They do. They simply go to them because they feel really happy in those environments. Yeah, exactly, mate. And and just before I came, you know, my older brother has taught me a lot, and he's gay. And he went away to the yep. Rainbow World Cup in Canada last year. And, you know, he inspires me to be better, mate. And and there's nothing wrong with going that way or whatever. And to be honest, mate, he's a bigger rugby fan than me and a better rugby player. He well, he is. He still plays rugby. Nearly forty years old. So, you know, it doesn't really matter, mate. I imagine, though, that when they get into that kind of tournament, uh, John, it would be interesting to talk to your brother, actually. The, the mental relief and just the, the, the psychological fun they must have when, you know, they just can just be them, you know, in a sporting environment of that magnitude. It must be so much fun for them. Oh, it is. And he just kept raving about the tournament. Got to meet Justin Trudeau over in Canada, and you know, and it, and it's a good environment for them to be in. Yeah, cheers, mate. John, always always good to hear from you, man. I uh, love your thoughts. Um, Graham from uh, Marlborough, formerly from Northland, if I've got that right. Uh, Graham, haven't heard from you this year. Happy New Year. Uh, what's on your mind? Same to you. Same to you, Ian. Yeah. Um, just two things. Firstly, the All Black coaching role. I know mm. they've got to have a. I read the I read the article and the, and the stuff, and I, I uh, you know they've got to have a process and select the right person. Jamie Joseph, I think he'd be a great All Black coach, but you've you've also got a great All uh, potentially a great All Black coach sitting in an office down at the Crusaders, and if, mm. and if you didn't pick him with his record, what what would that say to? You know, coaches in New Zealand, like you just, I, I scratch my head a little bit of, of what's going to happen there. I hope Scott gets it. If Jamie gets it, I wouldn't be disappointed. But I wonder what that would do to other coaches in New Zealand who have, who are so successful, both here and in overseas. I mean, he has, he has actually coached overseas. Don't forget, he coached the under twenties. He coached the Barbarians, and gave Leon McDonald's team a, a lesson on how to play rugby. And he only had them for three days. So, you know, like, yeah, that, that worries me. Um, Campbell Johnson, is it really news? Ian, you know, like, oh, I hope he's well. I hope he 
he feels good about himself, but I really couldn't care less, mate. I mean, I no, watched, me I watched the Seven Sharp. I watched Seven Sharp, and then saw people's livelihoods floating down the motorway, businesses floating down the motorway, four dead people, and then we jumped to Campbell Johnson. Oh, he's coming out of the closet. I mean, I heard that story when he was playing that he was gay, and I couldn't actually care less. Is he any good as a rugby player? Yes, he was. That's all I cared about. Now he's sort of come. Uh, to me, it's not really. It's not news anymore. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, I've got to come out and let people know. Well, who cares, mate? I mean, the Black Ferns, half of their team, are, are yeah. le- half of their team's lesbians, mate, and they're the best. They're the best rugby team on the planet, mate, by a by a long shot. But I don't care. Are they any good at their job? You're damn, you're damn sure they are, mate. They're the best going around. So, you know, I just wonder if it's news anymore, or, or, or do they want it to be news? I, I, I sort of can't, you know. And I've got a gay brother, and I just think, you know, mate, you're just, you're just you. Just be you and carry, get on with life. Don't make a big deal about it, because because we never have. I've never had with people I've played sport with, and I know they've been gay. So. Yeah, I just sometimes you just just get on with it, mate. You know, but but I hope he's you I'm, know I'm glad he's he should be proud of what he's done. But yep, is it yeah? You know what I'm you know what I mean? Just 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 get on with it, mate. So that's all. Yeah, you know, that's I've, sort of where I. You see what I'm saying, Smithy? Like I know exactly. I I know exactly what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. Uh, Cam Campbell Johnson should be proud of who he is and what he's achieved in life. Um, and you know, and there should be no qualms about that. Um, you know, yeah, he's not. He's, he he's not. Prove, I mean, he to, no. Yeah, he doesn't have to prove anything to me or you, mate. You know, like if he's no. happy within himself, his partner, him and his partner, they love each other. His family love him. Just get on with life, mate. But you know, is it a news story anymore, Ian? Oh, I don't really think so, mate. As you said in no. your editorial, look at the, you know, look at the cricketers, Amy and. Um, Leah and Portia got married the other weekend. I know Portia's family very well. They're super proud of her. So am I. Just yeah, just get on with it, mate. You know, we've got we've got a more important thing to worry, sort of worry about and talk about. I think, Smithy. To be fair, have a great agree year, with you more. Great talking to you, brother. Cheers, mate. Great talking to you too, Graham. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Kenny from Kenny from Canterbury. G'day, Kenny. How are you? G'day, Smithy. Good. Thanks. Good. Just got to think about the fifty bucks I won off you yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, well, um, good point. <laughs> good point. I, I, I like it. I like. I want a second crack at you at some stage, though. Don't worry about that. Ah, fair enough. Um, yeah, just with the Campbell Johnson uh, coming out, I haven't actually read the full article to be honest with you. But um, the previous caller, who was the Graham from Marlborough? Yeah. Um, saying, you know. He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. I don't think he's out there to try and prove anything to anyone. Well, not not to not to sort of Joe Bloggs and the public. He, he's kind of doing it because he wants to show people in the same position that they don't have to, you know, hide away. They don't have to shy away from it. They can embrace who they are and just be who they are. Well, it's not uh, about proving uh, anything to anyone except, except people that have been in the same position he has in the past. Yeah, I think that's a good point. He doesn't have to prove anything. No, he doesn't. But uh, I think um, what he's basically said was, you know, that for a long, long time um, in this country, uh, the position of being an all-black was the highest position that you could achieve in sport. 
Um, I'm not sure it is these days. I, I think a lot of sports get the same amount of coverage and the same amount of recognition these days. And what he was saying yep. is, you know, it's okay. It, it's almost saying it's okay even if you're an All Black. I mean, and that's the phrase that I, I don't yeah. can't quite get my head around, even if you're an All Black. I mean, what's the difference? I mean, I, I mean, yeah. you know. That, 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 the, sentence, that sentence probably shouldn't even come into it, really. You're right. Um, and yeah. I think you're right on the other point as well with uh, a lot of other sports getting a lot more publicity, a lot more sort of airtime and all that sort of thing, which is fantastic. And you guys are doing a great job of championing a lot of sports and not just sort of cricket and rugby, the traditional sort of winter and summer sports in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, I, I just thought that he's not out there trying, and that sentence probably didn't need to be in there, but he's just not out there trying to, you know. Yeah. He's not trying to get publicity. He's not trying to do that sort of stuff. He's not wanting attention, I don't think. It's, it's more no, about I agree. helping people that have been in the same position he has in the past. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you, Kenny. And, and I thank you very much for your call. And I'll get you next time, brother. Don't worry about that. Um, Mikey, Mikey, good morning to you. Oh, g'day, Ian. Hey, uh, just in regards to that, um, not the last call, the caller before, um, while I have sympathies and, and kind of understand exactly why I'm saying why, it shouldn't matter. The fact is that it does matter in society. So I think this, mm. this guy coming out and saying that he is, um, and being an All Black, I mean, yes, um, other sports do exist, but All Blacks is kind of almost the, the last bastion of this so-called masculinity, yep. etc. Now, ultimately, I think it's quite brave what he's done, because um, it's shocked me that there hasn't been any more. And in the future, it won't matter because society, as you say, is moving on. But I think for a lot of young um, kids, or maybe not even young kids, who see this go, yes, I can actually do this now and I don't have to be afraid. And I think, I, I, I applaud him. I think it's fantastic. So do I. I. I applaud him, but I also understand that, um, you know, it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be as big an issue as uh, a lead story on the network news anymore if you get my drift or or, or on a, a magazine show I, I i don't quite understand that i i understand it's the last bastion as such but it's not as big a bastion as it was that's what i'm saying in that regard and, and weren't the women in society the women in sport in this country have painted that picture oh so clearly to all of us um that you just do what you do you get on you live life away from sport, which is a much, much bigger part of your life, let's be fair, than the sport itself. The sport that you play, and it's such a, it's a, such a very small window when you consider that most, um, most athletes uh, are finished playing professional sport in their early to mid-30s, especially those that play in the physical game. That's not even half their life. Not even half their life is over at that point. It's just the fact that they're comfortable living in their environment, whatever they do, whenever they do it. Women are much more accepting of that, and particularly at the highest level of physical male sport as well. It is just as simple as that. Mikey, thanks very much for your call. Uh, Joey, good morning to you. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Welcome back, mate. Um, uh, um, good to have you back on the airways uh, again. Obviously, you had your, uh, your time in Australia there. That was, uh, that was great, and it's great to have you back. And... Um, uh, just, just quickly, I won't dwell on it, but it's, um, we're going to miss you very much on Sky Sport for sure. But um, yeah, as the as the, um, as the guy, uh, you know, he, he's probably just, you know, he's done this, I suppose, so 
that it's making it easier for for other people, other all, other All Blacks if they come in. But he put, and like I just said to your producer, he probably wasn't wasn't the first All Black, and he, and he obviously won't be the last. Um, and that's fine. And and, and like uh, exactly what my brother and I said last night, you know that that um, you know the woman, uh, uh, you know have, have you know they've got a in their sport and everything, and and the, and the, the um, sevens and that, and it's fine. It's it's a lot different now than what it was. You know, coming out, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and um, yeah, and I think it's fine. But yeah, I mean, I, we thought it was a current All Black. He, he's not a current All Black, is he? He's retired. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Hasn't played for a long, long time. Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so we thought it was a current All Black as well. And, and it was, like you said, it was on the news. Um, oh, you know, All Black, you know, um, coming out, and, and we, you know, and um, you know, and 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 it is what it is. It, it, that you were, um, guys beforehand are dead right, you know. It's it's um, and like you said, it, it's probably not a um, a, a big first um, news issue massively, you know, because um, it's just how the world is, is today, Smithy, you know, and uh, you know that's how I see it. And and also just the last thing too, um, uh, do you think um, on another uh, sport that Harry Kane will go to Manchester United? Oh, mate. Oh, now you've really got me upset, Joe. Oh, the possibility of that happening would just... Uh, that would just, just ruin my year. Would just ruin my year. Well, number two counts. So, look, the fact that he would be leaving Spurs greatly upsets me, Joey. The fact that he'd go to Manchester United just finishes me. Completely and utterly finishes me. 9.27. Thank you so much for your response this morning. 9.27 here on SENZ. Well, I love the FA Cup. The reason why I love the FA Cup is I've loved it for a long, long time, but uh, it's also a romantic competition where David's slay Goliath from time to time. Heroes are made out of nowhere, and the whole competition can be turned on its head by a, a single result. Joining us now is a passionate Manchester United fan who has plenty to cheer about uh, because, including uh, current champions Liverpool getting knocked out, of course, which will please uh, Noel Barclay, of course, former or white uh, New Zealand footballer of the year on at least four occasions. Fantastic uh, he was throughout the, the early to mid-80s as well, Noel Barclay. Uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, Noel, thanks for time. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, just yeah, hey. I just, I loved, I, yep. Sorry there. Yeah, I, just, I loved your piece on Patrick. I watched uh, Rory sink a putt last night about midnight, and that was, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, uh, FA Cup, here we go. Yeah, it is a great... Uh, what do you think about that, actually? Uh, it, you know, from your Irish background, of course, uh, Rory... Uh, the thing I like about what Rory has done is he's, he's actually backed up, his, he's backed up his words because it hasn't affected his play. In fact, he's been so much more determined. His record of late is unbelievable. Well, I think it's one thing talking off the park and, and you know, but to be able to bring it onto the park first tournament of the year... And, you know, play so consistently and show his class when he was under pressure and obviously sticking it to one of his one of his biggest goals and, and uh, throwing in the backside. Uh, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it was just unfortunate that it was late <laughs> last night and about midnight, <laughs> but I enjoyed it immensely. Do you want Harry Kane, Manchester United? Do you want need Harry Kane? Um I think we need somebody a bit younger. Like he's the finished article, but it's thirty thirty one, you sort of think he's only maybe got a couple more years in him. Um 
Look, I, I would be, I'd prefer to go for somebody a bit younger. Um, somebody's got a real opportunity to grow. I don't think Harry Kane can grow anymore. He's, you know, he's fantastic. Um, um, and for 100 million, that's money. But um, yeah, look, new owners might change things and might uh, might have a view that they they invest more money in the in the resources in the stadium and and better <clears throat> players. And uh, look, we're heading in the right direction. Not getting carried away. Uh, Man United and Man City are still looking to run away with it this year. And I think that's one of the reasons why the FA Cup so into teams like Man United this year. Um, Newcastle, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, all out already. Um, you know, it's a really good opportunity. So that, that's why it's an exciting tournament. And um, obviously, you've got 14 teams outside the EP in the FA Cup. So it, it's really, really wide open. And, and I think that's the beauty of the Cup. And so many <clears throat> sort of low down teams, including a non-league team in Wrexham. So, yeah, mm. some fantastic time in the draw this morning. Well, what, you're right, uh, and it's, uh, it just brings out, uh, I think, some of the old values in football. I mean, because you know, a lot of these sides that uh, come through um, that you're talking about, Nola sides like Wrexham, that, that their players aren't playing you know, for gold watches. They're, they're, they're not absolutely raking it in. And that, I think, is the romantic side of it because I, I think... Uh, we'd get lost, I think, in the big numbers around football, and this competition sort of drags us back a wee bit. Yeah, it takes us back along, you know, a few decades. And I mean, watching that FA Cup final, um, you know, back back in my, back in my days when I was young, I mean, you basically sat in front of the TV for the whole day, and and the build up and arriving, and the, it was just magnificent. And um, <clears throat> but you look at some of these teams, you know, like Wrexham. Wrexham very very unlucky against Sheffield United the other day. Um, sort of last minute, if they can go and beat Sheffield United, they've got a home game against Tottenham. Now Tottenham won't want to go to Wrexham. I mean, that's just it's just a banana skin. So there's definitely definitely some exciting opportunities there. Sunderland should, almost Fulham had a late goal disallowed, but they've now got a home against Fulham, and um, then they have a home game against Leeds United. So um, there's a Premier League team still left in there to sort of boss the competition still is and the, the potential for lots of lots of slip-ups. Well, Liverpool won't be there. We know that because uh, they were beaten, uh, not for the first time this season, by Brighton yesterday. Yeah, that was phenomenal. My, my son, who's a Manchester United, was actually in the Liverpool end um, and he couldn't really say much when when Brighton scored, so he had to keep had to keep <laughs> himself in check. But uh, and they did send me a video. But um, look, they're, they're having a bad they're having a bad time. Um, they, they mean they've got their midfield isn't working, with injuries and their signings. Ian Nunes and Gapo not not really doing the business. And um, yeah, look, they're just back. They were really in the last sort of decades, but um, yeah, look, they'll recover. You know, like they're up for sale. New owners always put money in, and and uh, they investment. And uh, you'd never write the the scratchers off. That's for sure. No, you wouldn't. Uh, Manchester United sit and wait this morning on the outcome of uh, an interesting one, and that's uh, Derby County and West Ham who are having their problems now. Yeah, um, um, West Ham looking like I think they're too strong for Derby. They'd watched that first half. <coughs> they're one up. And um, don't see really Derby getting past West Ham. Um, I, the interesting thing is they've now had nine home um, draws in the Cup, so haven't played away in three years. So you sort of got to think whether the League Cup or the FA got their name on it, and certainly the, the League Cup because they're sort of pretty much there in the final against so I would think. So, yeah, um, and, and interesting interesting draws. The eight 
of the 20 EPL teams left in the tournament in the last game. It's pretty unprecedented. It is, actually. I, I, I look at uh, some of the games that have gone to replay as well, which is also one of the most fascinating things. You talk about Wrexham. Well, Wrexham, Sheffield United, um, that is uh, an interesting matchup. You've got Luton and Grimsby. I mean, goodness me, uh, Ipswich and Burnley, Fulham and Sunderland, uh, Blackburn and Birmingham, who replay as early as uh, tomorrow morning. So uh, what about the, the format? Do you do you like the fact that it still has the replays but within, in these congested times of football? <clears throat> I, I think I think with the FA Cup replay is fair because the, 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 I mean the little teams are that, that's a, it's a lifeline for a lot of those clubs to be able to get a home draw if they can go away draw against one of the top teams and then get a get a home game and obviously Wrexham against Tottenham you know that's a massive payday um, I, I, I do like FA Cup I think the League Cup's a bit different I think you know it, it's, a, it's another competition that's probably a bit too much and maybe maybe straight <clears throat> penalty shootout but the FA Cup I think you you don't you don't mess with the FA Cup. You 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 know you really got to treat it with the respect that it has. It's been around over a hundred years, and um, I think you need to win a game, not, not on penalty kicks. Well, you mentioned before uh, Arsenal won't be winning it this year. They went down uh, at the beginning of the weekend to Manchester City one 0 but they are dominating. Um, they really are dominating uh, the EPL with Manchester City probably their closest rival. What is it about Arsenal you've been seeing this year? More more consistency than I, than I've seen for twenty years um, since Wenger really. Um, Arteta um, was you know it was a three year project, and I mean in in year one, year two, you know he got the sack, and they stuck by him, and he's bought well, so he's got and, and Partey and Saka and Martinelli, those sort of attacking players. Um, absolutely at the top of the game, an extremely good goalkeeper in, in Ramsdale. Uh, and, and defensively, they look really sound. So they actually, you know, I, we all hanging around waiting for Arsenal to falter. Um, they, I mean, they will. They'll have a blip. Um, Matt, not that far away. I mean, it's only halfway through. I still think Man City can catch them um, on their day. Man's the best team in the league, um, and everybody else is sort of, you know, behind them. But um, we keep sort of saying Arsenal's going to fall over, but they they don't seem to be doing that. I think it was significant beat them in the cup uh, and Arsenal played actually really well um, and probably deserved but um, yeah City just got a way of winning and uh, I still think that it's that's clearly between those two where Sutton and United are going to be a way off we're work in progress and I still think Man City will get up much as it pains me <laughs> much as it pains you yeah. uh, <laughs> hey uh, listen uh, <laughs> Everton uh, look Everton have uh, you know, club with uh, such proud history, Merseyside, and we all know that uh, competition they have with Liverpool all the time. But at the moment, they are not in the FA Cup; they're out of that, and they're threatening to be not in the Premier League as well. Uh, sacking Frank Lampard, and uh, they've come up with the former Burnley boss, who was very, very successful in his time with Burnley, and Sean Dyche. Yeah, um, look, he—it's he, a bit of a surprise, him, I think. Um, you know, I think that's a short-term fix for them. He's probably going to make them tough to beat. He's going to bring in some discipline. And um, they're obviously going to reinvest some of the money that they've just um, got from selling young Gordon to Newcastle for about 40, 45 million. I see that Jason Connor Gallagher from Chelsea, who's sort of just about been on loan to every Premier League team there is, 
Um, so look, I, I think that, uh, that you, you wouldn't want Everton out of the Premier League. I think that they're, they're too big a club. I mean, they're you know a half billion dollar stadium. Um, the owner's got money and been badly managed for sure. And uh, Sean Dyke might just be the guy that's going to get them sort of a bit tighter and um, and, and stay up. But um, yeah, they, they do have a of them. And, and um, I mean, most players don't want to go there now. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Who wants to who wants a relegation fight? Um, and mm. the challenge will be to get get decent decent players in. No, do you um, these days? Do you you keep a, an eye on on local football um, and the Phoenix in particular. Do you follow their progress? After I follow, <laughs> much to my wife's disgust, I follow all levels of football. Um, <laughs> and, um, been enjoying been enjoying the Phoenix this year um, because they really um, they've got. I think they've got a really talented squad, and they haven't always delivered, especially early on. You know, they were basically one off the bottom for a while. Um, so they're obviously on a great run. Uh, thought they got completely done on the weekend um, with the referee on the red card for Tim Payne. I mean, that was just you know, a ridiculous decision. Um, and um, they won that game and would have been sort of second overnight. Um, but they're still up there, and um, you know, it's uh, they're in good form. And I think that uh, you know they're um, they're certainly in those. They're certainly looking good for the playoffs this year. Not just and like they have done in the past, but sort of getting up sort of second, third, fourth. And, um, they, yeah, they've really got momentum. And even the, gir- even the girls, have, you know, they've sort of came back in the last couple of weeks. Incredible, you know, the five mm. against Canberra and then coming from behind, you know, with 10, 10 players and um, almost get out in Brisbane. So, like, yeah, good, good. it's been a good couple of weeks for, for Phoenix fans, both male and female, and um, may well it continue. Long Matt continued, uh, Noel Barclay. Uh, hey, thanks very much for your time, mate. Always appreciate uh, talking to you and your, your point of view. And uh, let's go Rory this year, eh? I'm, uh, I'm right behind Rory. Rory and Foxy in the Masters, that would be quite good, one and two. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a nice group to, to, to take the morning off for, I'll tell you that. Uh, no, no, Noel Barclay, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, nice chatting to you. Pleasure. Yes, uh, Noel Blackley there, of course, uh, as I said, uh, former New Zealand Footballer of the Year on many, many occasions back in the 80s. Uh, 20 appearances for the All Whites and a wonderful career uh, domestically as well as uh, with teams overseas as well. So his comments there on the FA Cup and a little bit towards the end there on the Phoenix and a Rory McIlroy fan. 9.47 here on SENZ to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, Ken's got beaten last night, which was a great result for the Breakers, but a crappy result for our multi because we'd already got the Kansas City Chiefs up, we'd got the Memphis Grizzlies up, um, and then Adelaide turned around and upset the, the Cairns Taipans, which is uh, a really good result, Logan, I'm led to believe, from uh, the Breakers' point of view. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. So where does that, um, where does that now leave uh, the Breakers and the Taipans as such? Uh, we'll get into it more later in the show, trust me. Okay, I'll trust you on that. Trust Logan, trust Logan. Okay, uh, Sacramento Kings today to beat the Timberwolves at $1.83. 
The Washington Wizards to beat the San Antonio Spurs at a dollar forty-one, and Newcastle early tomorrow morning to beat Southampton in the EFL Cup at a dollar thirty-six. Bring your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 9.59 here on SCNZ, and just as uh, we go into the news, I'll just repeat that multi, actually, I was rudely interrupted by an ad there. Uh, it is uh, the Sacramento Kings and at $1.83, the Washington Wizards at $1.41, Newcastle to beat Southampton at $1.36, it's at uh, $3.50. Uh, coming up uh, after 10 o'clock, we have got uh, Jared Cronin, now SCN NFL pundit, looking back on yesterday's results and an early preview of uh, Super Bowl. We'll have a panel with Jamie Wall and James Regan. Uh, and, of course, uh, we'll also uh, speak to Louis Herman Watt before 11 o'clock. So busy next hour. Uh, coming up after the news here with Aroha. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Hurts going to give it to Scott. Racing around the edge. Scott is in. Touchdown, Philadelphia. You're going to the Super Bowl. What does it mean? Obviously, this is something to dream about as a kid. And uh, all these guys on our team have dreamt about this their entire lives, too. And so just to be able to do this together with a bunch of men that love each other, that are connected to each other, that would do anything for each other, it's pretty sweet. Here's Butker for 45 yards. All the way, it's good. Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to party. Some weird and wonderful reactions there uh, to results uh, from yesterday's NFL playoff games. And we now know who will face off at Super Bowl 57 on February the 13th from around 12.30 New Zealand time that uh, will be played at uh, State Farm Stadium in Arizona. And uh, that will uh, now, of course, be between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, on the back of their wins yesterday. It almost wasn't to be. It took some late-game heroics by the Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker, to book their ticket and to edge out the Bengals. 23-20, while the Eagles walked all over San Francisco, 31-7. To look at it now and uh, recap and preview, I I think, a little bit too, is uh, our NFL pundit out of uh, SEN, and that is uh, Jared Cronin. Uh, Good morning to you, Jared. Uh, Results surprising to you yesterday, or did they go uh, to plan for you? Uh, look, I guess um, not really any surprise, to be fair. As we were down to the final four, four teams, I kind of thought, well, any of these teams on their day can actually turn it on. So I uh, wasn't overly surprised, probably maybe a bit surprised by the margin in the Eagles 49ers game, uh, albeit that really it was one of those days for the 49ers where everything 
that could have gone wrong really did. So um, it was yeah, just one of those sort of outings. The other game on the AFC side of things was obviously nice and close and tense, probably more tense than exciting. Uh, for what we were hoping for, but um, but yeah, I, I think that um, yeah, I wasn't overly surprised. I thought the Chiefs are probably going to get through to the Super Bowl from the start of the season, um, and Philly probably have been more of a surprise packet throughout the year, but they have been uh, you know rock solid, very consistent. So uh, they they put together a couple of great games in the playoffs, so they are very well deserved, uh, you know, Super Bowl participants, and I think they they could well go in as, as heavy favourites too. You mentioned the 49ers. Uh, nothing did go right for them yesterday. They're down to their number three quarterback in Brock Purdy. Well, he injured his elbow uh, when he was uh, partially sacked. That didn't help. Uh, they bring out uh, Josh Johnson, number four. He drops one, drops a pass clean, which results in a, in a touchdown just prior to half time. And I think at that point, 21-7 was always going to be too hard for the 49ers to come back from but you've got to hand it to the Eagles they have been uh, perhaps the team of this of uh, the NFL this year and with Jalen Hurts they were very efficient absolutely really really impressive uh, once again impressed by the uh, this time <clears throat> excuse me the offensive and defensive lines of the Eagles they have just really set a foundation on both sides of the football Jalen Hurts has, has only been sacked once in that game yesterday so they protected him very well, and that was against the number one defense in the entire league. So, so that's a you know that, that's that's a real achievement for this unit, uh, led by a couple of you know big boys up front, including uh, a young kid from uh, who came from Sydney, um, Jordan Mailata, who's a, an inspirational story. Who was a failed NRL, uh, you know, trying to make his NRL dream. Was told he was too big, went and gave the NFL a go, and, and now he's uh, making the Super Bowl. So he's part of a fantastic unit that is protecting the pocket. And Jalen Hurts, he's just able to do what he has to do. He didn't actually do a heck of a lot yesterday in terms of overplaying his hand uh, because he was able to just, you know, let the ball do this, you know, do the work for itself by, by running it. And that running game of the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be such a, a hard thing to nullify at the Super Bowl. Well, it was uh, game two yesterday afternoon, um, both our times actually, and the Chiefs uh, getting up, Kansas City Chiefs getting up over the Cincinnati Bengals. 23-20 um, on the back of a performance by Patrick Mahomes uh, on one and a half legs, really. Uh, didn't have a lot of, uh, he didn't have a lot of gas. Usually his legs are one of his great assets. Uh, quite clearly he was hindered by that ankle injury. Um, and they put Joe, uh, Joe Burrow under early pressure. So the Bengals uh, actually at that point were looking... Uh, under pressure, but they came good. They really did. And uh, as the, the game sort of wore on, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals throughout the season have been famous for making adjustments, especially at half time, whether that be on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. So, what they were able to do, they, they copped a few sacks in the first part of the game. They, I think they had about four sacks in the first half. So, they were able to adjust from there and protect Joe Burrow a bit better. Uh, in the second half, and defensively, they were able to actually make a couple of adjustments as well. So uh, that's that's a, 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 I guess it was indicative of a team that was probably looking to you know go all the way and make their second Super Bowl in a row. Uh, but Kansas City Chiefs had other ideas, backs to the wall, playing at home, and Patrick Mahomes, as you said, he was he was playing on one foot, and um, and everyone else around him, to be fair, was actually falling down. His top target, Travis Kelsey, was injured. Uh, and all of his wide receivers, I think he had about three wide receivers out. By the end of the game, he was throwing to a whole lot of practice guys and backups. So uh, it, was, it was really quite an achievement for them to get over the line in the end. 
because everything was really indicating towards a Cincinnati win. But uh, credit to the Chiefs, they just hung in there. They hung tough. I think the Bengals will probably be disappointed that they let one slip away, uh, especially with that final penalty uh, that they, they gave to let them in field goal range. But uh, yeah, a, a really, really interesting game and, and just uh, epitomizes, I guess, the resilience in this Kansas City Chiefs team to, uh, to get through to another Super Bowl. Absolute dismay uh, there was in the, the Bengals unit, plus uh, I think uh, the fans as well. Uh, at that last uh, offence by uh, Joseph Osai, I mean, to be fair, um, Mahomes was, uh, what, a metre and a half out of the field of play before he made contact with him. It was just so stupid. Yeah, really, really disappointing. I, I mean, I did actually, <laughs> I'm a sympathetic soul, I suppose. I actually felt really sorry for Joseph Osai. It was a stupid penalty to have given away. As you say, he was, uh, uh, Mahomes was clearly over the line and out of bounds, so any touch was going to be a foul on him. So you just got to, you know, just stop and, and just let him do his thing. Uh, but yeah, poor old Joseph, uh, you can see him in tears after the game and uh, he, he realised that he'd, he'd made a gigantic error in terms of, uh, you know, uh, that could have been the difference between his team making the Super Bowl or not. Um, but, you know, as, as, as it stood, it would have been only tied ball game so they would have gone to overtime but mm. you know they would have still been alive so uh yeah i guess it's a hard one i i try to a lot of times imagine what it's like when you're about a 250 pound uh, defensive lineman running across the field at the end of a game <laughs> trying to track down a quarterback and sort of you know what you're seeing and, and um yeah i i guess it's uh it's just a, probably a bit of pill for him to swallow and um you know something for him to learn from, because really he had actually played pretty well throughout the game and the season uh, for the Bengals. Mm. Right, so it will be uh, the Eagles. It will be the Chiefs, which brings an interesting family matchup between the the Kelsey brothers. You mentioned Travis before, who was a bit of a bad boy at school, where Jason was much more balanced. In fact, if it hadn't been for Jason uh, during their time at University of Cincinnati, uh, Travis Kelsey might not have gone much further because... Uh, as I said, he had misdemeanors and um, he got great family support. Now they're up against each other. Yeah, wonderful effort. I saw a picture yesterday of uh, the, the Kelsey's uh, mum actually wearing a jersey which had been tailored to have half Chiefs and half Eagles. So uh, one wonders what that sort of game would be like for uh, for the Kelsey family. It's uh, certainly a special occasion. The first time two brothers have gone against each other in the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's a really wonderful storyline. Uh, they've got a, a podcast out as well, apparently, the Kelsey brothers. So um, <laughs> one wonders what they'll be talking about for the next couple of weeks. Might be pretty good. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jason Kelsey has been rock solid and, and part of that unit that I mentioned uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's really led the way from the centre position. Just, uh, you know, he's the guy who starts, and starts every play. Uh, by handing off the ball, so he's always involved and always, uh, you know, in charge of a lot of things uh, while trying to protect the quarterback. Uh, whereas Travis Kelsey, he's, he's more of a superstar tight end, getting around, making catches everywhere. Uh, one one thing I will be interested to note will be how Travis actually prepares and recovers uh, for the Super Bowl now that he's got a good couple of weeks lead in time. Uh, him and Mahomes and a lot of the other Chiefs, uh, because yeah, you can clearly see that a lot of things weren't right. Uh, with him, he wasn't his usual dynamic sort of self. He was a bit restricted. Uh, that being that all of the Bengals were, you know, blanketing him with coverage as well because all of the other wide receivers were injured. So, um, yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a bit of work to do from uh, for Travis's side of things. But, um, yeah, just a wonderful occasional round for, for the Kelsey boys and for their entire family. 
Well, we see them stalking the sidelines. Uh, some are animated. Uh, some keep remarkably cool and calm. Um, and uh, the big moments, and uh, with uh, we look at uh, Eagles coach uh, Nick Sirianni, who's a new boy on the block, and he's up against really uh, one of the most seasoned uh, in modern times in Andy Reid. Um, how do you see these two men going into their preps? Yeah, quite differently, I would say. Uh, Andy Reid is now to about his about maybe fourth um, Super Bowl. He managed to pick up a title a few years ago with the Chiefs. Uh, and, you know, for a long time, he was known as the uh, the bridesmaid sort of coach. He would make it all the way uh, to a, either an AFC or NFC championship game or a Super Bowl, uh, but not actually get over the line. So he managed to uh, put that title to uh, to bed uh, a few years back and actually get one. So he's probably going into the game with uh, a bit more, you know, big game experience and probably, as you say, a little bit more calm and relaxed about things, albeit that he will have a few headaches about who's playing where. Um, in terms of dealing <clears throat> with all of the injuries that the Chiefs have got. Uh, Nick Sirianni is really, it's been a bit of a magic carpet ride for him this year, to be fair. Uh, no one quite expected the Eagles to go as far as they have and, and achieve what they have and, and look so good doing it. Uh, he's just come out, he's he's, a, you know, he's young and fiery. Uh, you can see him getting uh, excitable on the sideline yesterday, even when they were up by about 28-7, he was still, you know, giving it heaps. So, uh, I, I can't imagine him changing too much in terms of his approach. Uh, it'll be obviously a huge occasion for him and his team. But uh, yeah, a fascinating matchup. Um, and as well, the Eagles going up against, uh, you know, Andy Reid, who was a longtime Eagles coach as well, a longtime great Eagles coach. So um, in some senses, this is perhaps the Andy Reid bowl as, as well. Right. Okay. Let's uh, look at the. It's a fortnight away. In between times, they play. Uh, the Pro Bowl. Tell us a wee bit about the Pro Bowl. Is that is that the game that no one really wants to play because they'd rather be in the, the Super Bowl, of course. But what's what's the the carrot there? Yeah, so uh, the Pro Bowl is, as you say, it is really uh, it's an honour for the players who get selected um, because it is basically rewarding the teams who are the best of the best throughout the league. So they go through and you know pick the top guys at each position. And they go on to play in the game that no one wants to play because uh, you know it's the end of the season and there's nothing really on it. And in previous times, the game's been held in Hawaii and it's looked like a little bit of a junket and everyone's been out partying and half pie playing the game of football, which no one really cared about. So, uh, so what they're trying to do this year, the NFL, they are trying to actually improve uh, the the product, I guess, from a, a fan's perspective. And what they've done, they've actually revamped a lot of things. Um, they've they're still bringing out stuff like some um, Pro Bowl sort of game skills kind of competitions. Um, and so that's, that's, that's for me and a lot of people is, you know, quite a highlight. You get to see uh, quarterbacks throwing at targets and, and um, wide receivers making, you know, ridiculous catches and that sort of stuff, which is, which is all fun to watch uh, rather than an actual, you know, game itself, which means nothing. So this year they're holding it back in Las Vegas. So uh, <laughs> one wonders uh, what, you know, what frivolities will be had there, but um, they're also doing, I believe, a, um, a flag football game as well. So it's uh, the first time the NFL have ever done a flag football game. Possibly a uh, you know a little bit of a, an adjustment in terms of not having guys get hit as much throughout the season. So they're going with the flag football game rather than the, the you know the full contact. Not that it was really ever full contact before, but um, yeah, going to be quite an interesting uh, event coming up. Uh, on, uh, I believe it's on Friday, uh, New Zealand and Australia time. So um, starting Friday at least. Um, so yeah, so interesting to see what that 
is going to look and feel like it's going to be quite different to, uh, to years gone by. Well, Jared Cronin, you are an NFL pundit. You love the game absolutely, so which means you embrace Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl 57 coming up, of course. Um, that is all about um, uh, entertainment. It's also about making huge money out of advertising revenue. Can you just tell us um, from your point of view, um, the halftime break, I think, is extended because of the entertainment. What is the entertainment this year at Super Bowl? Yeah, so the halftime entertainment uh, this year is actually headlined by Rihanna. So um, so that's going to be um, a, a massive draw card for a lot of people, uh, both from obviously within the game, but uh, also those, you know, um, casual observers, shall we say. A lot of times in years gone by, you know, you've, you've been watching the Super Bowl and certain people say, oh, I'm actually looking forward to watching, you know, the halftime show. And, uh, and last year they really did, um, they did a, a massive job where they had uh, Dr. Dre and, um, 50 Cent and a few other guys, Snoop Dogg, all uh, all jumped on board and was out in LA and everyone sort of yeah had a wonderful time watching it. So uh, Rihanna's going to be leading it this year and, and giving it her own sort of spin. Uh, probably you know a, a well deserved um, you know nod to her as well across her career. She's had a uh, a really long and distinguished uh, career in the industry and and you know put out a lot of hits and uh, and entertainment as well. So uh, everyone's yeah just wondering what kind of uh, special uh, occasion we're going to enjoy for the halftime because, uh, as you say, it's getting longer and longer. It's probably almost going to, you know, nearly be as long as the game in, in, at some point. Mm. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be um, going to be another big one. So uh, yeah, so so get ready. It's 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 like halftime isn't even really a break anymore because uh, as you know, as we all know, the show goes on. The show goes on, and uh, our show goes on. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jared Cronin, for the, your thoughts there on the, what happened yesterday and a, a slight preview. Jared, we'll talk to you again, hopefully, before the big event uh, coming up uh, in around about a fortnight's time. So, yep, Super Bowl 57 uh, will be at Arizona. Jared, uh, thank you very much for your time, mate. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. I've got my annual leave booked in, so uh, happy to talk to you guys uh, after the game or during or whenever. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna be crook myself, but I'll, I'll take a leave day. Uh, it's ten nineteen here on SENZ. Uh, Jared, thank you very much. We'll be back with the panel very shortly. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Right, uh, Jamie Wall and James Regan are our panelists this morning. Uh, good morning to you, gentlemen, uh, both of you. And uh, let's uh, start on, the, I guess, the hottest topic. Uh, I'm not sure it was uh, news to both of you blokes. You might have known uh, previously anyway. But uh, Campbell Johnson coming out uh, on television last night as the first openly gay all-black on uh, Seven Sharp. Uh, James Regan, what did you make of that announcement? Yeah, well, I... Um Morning, Smitty. Morning, Jamie. Firstly, didn't um, didn't know, and and secondly, massive respect and and everything to to Campbell. It's a an incredible thing that he's done, not just for himself or the rugby community, but for a lot of people out there who um, who will be in the same position. Um, and so, yeah, massive respect to him. And we've we've obviously seen it. I'm sure it's been touched on that we've seen it in league and other sports in the past, but to have it right on our doorstep and, and in that All Blacks environment is is massive. So, yeah, re- really, I guess a lot of people will be thankful to Campbell today for the way he's opened up and um, and the way he's gone about things. And, yeah, hopefully it does prompt a bit of change in the way we think and 
some of the stuff he touched on about not feeling comfortable in that environment at that time, which was obviously a different time. Um, but hopefully we do kind of reassess things and how we look at things at the moment. And, and if it does prompt a bit of good change, then that, that's amazing. That's, um, yeah, an incredible thing. Jamie Wall, uh, thanks for joining us this morning, uh, Jamie. Uh, I'm not uh, 100% sure if it was a complete surprise to you. Uh, so what did, first of all, what do you make uh, of the announcement? Two, part two is, do you think it'll make any difference? Do you think it will um, open the doors, as they say? Well, uh, yeah, good morning, Timothy. Good morning, Jimmy. Um, I think that the doors are already a bit open, and that's why Campbell has felt comfortable coming out and saying this. And I think that also you're seeing you're seeing with the reaction that has ranged from uh, jubilation from a good section of the community, and that's understandable, um, to somewhat ambivalence for, with a lot of people who are just saying, like, okay, cool. Like, well, he, it's not really going to change the way I think of him. He was, he was a good good rugby player who represented the All Blacks um, a while back, and um, and I think that's really positive, and I think that that's, that, that shows that, yeah, you said the, door, the doors could be opened. I think had they not been by the actions of um, some current players, and I'm going to highlight Brad Weber, uh, for example, who's been pretty outspoken, uh, you know, at least from an All Black, uh, on on this issue uh, in, the, in the past few years and been pretty consistent about it too, TJ Perinata being, being another one, um, that they've helped create this environment where, where Campbell's managed to, uh, you know, come to terms with uh, the fact that it's okay to, to say this sort of thing. And not, not only that, but um, be engaged in a role with his former team, with the Crusaders, who have uh, welcomed him in. And, and I saw yesterday on that, on that clip that he was in there talking to uh, the team about uh, his journey. And, and it's something that young players can, can learn from, whether they're, whether they're gay, straight or otherwise. Uh, it it's, it's can only really be a, a positive thing uh, moving forward because um, we... We want to have these people in our game. It's just important, just like we want to have them in, a, in every aspect of our community and, and make them feel welcome, make them feel safe. And I think that the most important thing that Campbell said um, last night is that hopefully what he's doing uh, can help people. Uh, and, and I think just that on, on itself uh, makes it really commendable. Yep, OK. Um, so much to, to talk about um, in that respect. Um, in fact, we take, what we'll do is I think we'll take a, an early uh, news break here with Araha and Kambaka. Uh, I'm still a bit baffled as to why it's such a big thing all of a sudden with men's sport and yet women's sport embrace it on a daily basis and absolutely it's part and parcel of what they do. So we'll, we'll go to Araha and when we come back we'll be with uh, Jamie and James. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk to me, yeah. yeah, Jamie Wall, James Regan uh, with us this morning on the panel. And uh, just before we finish on that subject, to me, uh, I, I look at it this way, um, James, and, and women's sport, they embrace um, their relationships. Um, you know, it's a strength of theirs uh, in, in rugby and cricket um, and basketball. We've uh, seen this high-profile basketballer, Brittany Griner, uh, of course, uh, been released back into the United States after a drug conviction in the United States. Well, uh, the biggest campaigner for her openly was her wife. I mean, you know, uh, they just, and, and women's sport in particular, it's an environment that they thrive uh, on. They, they welcome it. They embrace it. They get fellowship out of it, uh, sisterhood out of it. Uh, in men's sport, it's kind of, really? 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 Oh, I can't, be, I can't be like that. Surely, is that a sign of weakness? 
and, and that's the stereotype for me, James. Yeah, maybe maybe that's just a reflection of where we're still at with a lot of our wider society that blokes feel they, you know, if they're in a rugby changing room and, and supposed to be these these hard up men that they can't talk about that or can't be themselves, which is incredibly sad. Uh, and maybe it does need us to look at um, more where we are as, as men in that in that respect, and, and that maybe we're not as um, far ahead as we think we are compared to compared to a lot of people. So that's probably one thing. But it, Jamie's absolutely right in terms of the All Blacks that we've seen and the way the All Blacks have changed over the past few years. A lot of those players are, are more than welcoming, are more than vocal on a lot of social issues we have which is amazing to see. Brad Weber, TJ Pedernata, two, two that he mentioned, and two outstanding people in that respect. And, and that can only be a good thing. So as long as those guys at the top are, are reinforcing that, then you'd have to hope eventually that'll trickle down and everyone feels they can be who they are, whether it's in a rugby changing room, a cricket changing room, a, a football room, whatever. Um, but maybe we do have to look at, um, you know, give us another look at where we actually are in terms of all that. Interesting. Right, let's uh, move on to uh, the All Black uh, coaching role and uh, it's been out of the news for ooh, almost a week or two but uh, here it comes uh, back again and uh, Scott Robertson certainly uh, a lot of people's favourite uh, but now it appears that Jamie Joseph is a, a viable contender as well. Uh, Jamie Wall and uh, the process now uh, will be interesting. Yeah, you're right. It will be because uh, it feels like it's the complete opposite of what they did last time where instead of lying about uh, going and contacting 26 or whatever it was uh, candidates, um, they are being very upfront and saying, these are the two blokes we want um, and we're going to be pretty open and transparent about the way that we uh, go about interviewing them and, and the appointment process. Uh, Jamie Joseph um, coming into the conversation is an interesting one. I personally don't know what uh, or sort of why he'd he'd want to leave Japan given this sort of money that I understand that he's on and also the amount of control that he has over uh, not just the Japanese national team, but the entire Japanese rugby setup. Um, he's essentially an emperor up there. And uh, to, to go from that to having to deal with the whims of New Zealand rugby, I don't think would be that much of a, well, it'd be something that wouldn't be motivating him to do so. Whereas Robertson has, um, despite, you know, sort of, putting the feelers out last year to say like, oh, I want to coach in other teams or two All Black ones and stuff. It's pretty obvious this is what he wants to do. And, and, he's, and he, he wouldn't be here if he didn't. Um, and that the pathway for him now, now that all the, all the other Test Nations have locked up their, their coaching staffs, um, is very much going straight into that job. Um, I mean, and the other person you've got to think about in this situation is Ian Foster. Because of course he and his staff are trying to win a World Cup this year and the New Zealand rugby have pretty much just come out and said because they've they've intimated that they're going to um, you know uh, get this process going uh, as soon as possible um, that they don't really have faith in them coaching beyond this year. So what faith in them, do they have in them to win this World Cup when <laughs> they appointed them last year? So I, I I just think it's a very odd move by the board uh, to do this, which is just yet another odd move that they've made, um, and that they probably need to just look at the way that they do everything rather than just. Um, you know, just just the All Black coach. Yeah, I I, I kind of get the feeling uh, for from Ian Foster's point of view, it's uh, almost like 
Uh, it's water off a duck's back. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, to be honest, the fact that he's just copped it left, right and centre, and here now that having confirmed his uh, rolls through to the World Cup, they still um, uh, are saying, look, um, win, lose or draw, uh, sorry, you're gone. Uh, James, uh, what, what do you, you, you make of this? Uh, it looks like um, a two-horse race emerging. Do you see it that way? Yeah, well, that's certainly how it seems. And we've, we've obviously been discussing this amongst ourselves in, um, in the office quite a bit over the past few months. And it just seems now that with everything that's happened over the past um, almost a year or so now, obviously we're not, we don't know what's going to happen. But if they go out and Razor wins another title, it looks like he's going to win another title, and they don't go down that road, that's... That is a bizarre move. I mean, from a, an outsider looking in, given the public certainly seem to to want to give Scott Robertson a chance. He's a serial winner. He's got an incredible win rate as Crusaders coach. Um, he's obviously done amazing things with them. And he's come through the system. He's a New Zealand coach who's conquered super rugby. He's been out and got experience with the Barbarians and done all kinds of stuff. And so now... If New Zealand rugby don't go down that path after this World Cup, then that is, it would just seem an absolutely bizarre move. Unless Jamie Joseph or someone else can bring something remarkable to the table or, or can wow them in the interview, who else really can it be? I mean, yeah, given given everything that um, that the All Blacks have been through over the past year and the the talk about Razor and the talk about Ian Foster, if they don't go out and get Scott Robertson, who most likely would leave New Zealand rugby if he didn't get that All Blacks job, that that's a massive gamble, right? I mean, um, maybe Jamie disagrees and it, maybe it's not a clear cut, but that would just seem like a truly bizarre move at this stage. Interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. Also interesting to me is that uh, where is David Nika in terms of uh, the boxing, his boxing career? Uh, here's a bloke who is enormously promising. Uh, our focus tends to go to uh, the heavyweight division and uh, Joseph Parker more often than not. But um, James, where do you, where do we see David Nika sitting at the moment um, in terms of this calendar year? Yeah, it's a funny one, and uh, he he definitely needs and definitely wants a few more fights. But he, he's everything that's been thrown at him so far, and it, it's not been the toughest test. That they've all been different kind of opponents. He he's conquered pretty easily. He's passing everything with flying colours. He trains like an absolute weapon. He, he's so focused now and has such tunnel vision on wanting to get to the top of his division that it's got to be a big year for him. He's got to get probably four or five fights in him, depending on obviously how they go. If he gets a, a couple of knockouts, then that's amazing. But people, boxing promoters will be chasing David Nika, I think, if he gets another few good wins under his belt. He's just such a good talent. He's so marketable as well, which is obviously massive in boxing. He's such a good athlete, such a good talker. He's got a bit of fight about him when he speaks now, and you can kind of tell that he knows he has what it takes. He just needs to action it. But he, he's got a bit of, not a bit of arrogance, but he's got a good cockiness about him when he talks. And he knows that if he applies himself and if he does everything how he's supposed to, 
he has everything he needs to get to the top of his division, which is great. It's great for New Zealand boxing. There's so many good boxers out there at the moment representing to New representing New Zealand. And David Nika, before too long, could be at the very top of those because he is such a phenomenal athlete. Just needs to get a few more fights going and a couple of good wins. And I think there will be a lot of promoters chasing his signature very soon. Uh, just finally, I'll come to you, uh, Jamie Wall, on this one. Um, like him or hate him, um, it's undeniable now, isn't it, that uh, Novak Djokovic is the greatest of all time? Uh, well, it's certainly not very easy to like him. I can tell you that much. But yes, I do respect him uh, and his um, and his tennis ability. Um, I think, though, that the first point about him basically being the biggest jerk in the world, in, in world sport is going to stop people saying he's the greatest of all time. It's, it's, he doesn't have the charisma to kind of pull it off. Um, you can act like an arrogant um, dickhead, uh, but there's only a few people that can actually do that and still have people, still have people around the world respecting you. Muhammad Ali's one of them, um, and there's not, not that many others. Uh, and I, don't, I definitely don't put Novak Djokovic in that category. Well done for winning, um, what was it, his 10th uh, Australian Open. Like, that's, that's an incredibly impressive feat. And don't get me wrong, I will tune in to watch that guy play. But it doesn't mean I'm going to like him. And it means that when we talk about the greatest of all time, it's going to be, his name's going to be sort of down the list before I start talking about him. Okay, right. Uh, we'll leave it at that with you. Uh, James, would you like a, a, a quick whack at uh, Novak Djokovic as well, or are you just a little bit more sympathetic to his character? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if sympathetic. I certainly admire the way he's come back this year and it was obvious, it obviously meant a lot to him to win that Australian Open in particular and you have to respect the mental toughness he would have to go out there and really dispatch everyone that got in his way um, and you kind of saw the, the end product of that with the outpouring of emotion that he had when he won it but yeah I, I kind of agree with Jamie for a lot of that like he's an amazing player but um yeah, can't. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, I, I agree with Jamie. <laughs> okay, good on you, boys. Sticking together. Uh, Jamie Wall and uh, James Regan were our panelists this morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much uh, for your input. Yeah, he just—he's um, an interesting one, isn't he? Yet uh, Novak Djokovic uh, is so damn good at what he does, but even uh, in his after-match speeches, uh, he sounds good. I mean, he sounds complimentary. Sounds appreciative. Uh, but still, um, over a period of time, he's built up this persona um, which makes people dislike him, regardless of his ability. And it, it is a great uh, shame, really. And, and there are two you know, men with very open minds, uh, Jamie Wall and, and James Regan, and the pair of them are both on the same wavelength. Uh, they can't tolerate him, basically, as a person. And when you're the best at what you do, particularly in sport, and people don't like you, uh, I wonder whether that affects you at all. 10.43. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, some of your texts coming in on the uh, temper bedpost uh, machine. Double eight, double three. Keep them coming in. We shall read them out. Um, Jared has come in and said, "Oh, the Cam Campbell Johnson matter. I'm not quite sure if he needed to go public. I can't remember him to be honest. His call was, uh, but his, his call, but unwanted publicity on your private life. 
question mark. Uh, anyway, great win for Rory to beat that uh, germ Reed. Hope he wins the Masters. I, I'd like to see uh, if he doesn't win it, Ryan Fox win it or vice versa. That would uh, two great blokes as far as I'm concerned. Um, another uh, text has come in uh, anonymous as such. I Ian Logan, and not sure if uh, one of your listeners' texts has uh, mentioned this yet, but it was revealed by the newsroom website last year that Heath Davis uh, was gay. Uh, I thought that was sad. It was uh, kept to a minimum of people, i.e. Gavin Larson and Matt Horn, due to the climate of the LGBTQ theme in the 90s. Yes, well, I read it, um, and uh, I was aware of that fact anyway. Um, uh, it uh, was pretty well known, I think, throughout the uh, cricketing community, but um, it, it was up to Heath's way of life and, and his... Um, his belief on it as to whether he wanted to go public, he did, um, and I hope that's uh, given him, um, you know, a great deal of relief, as I, I understand it has done for Campbell Johnson. Um, I can really, I can see back in uh, the eighties and nineties that uh, a, a cricket dressing room where you spend so much time together, it's unlike a rugby dressing room where that you uh, arrive an hour before the game and uh, you're gone an hour after the game and you really don't have a lot of chance in a rugby dressing room apart from a beer afterwards to sit down and have a chat because of the tension involved before the game um, you hardly get to, to sit down with your pre-match warm-ups etc afterwards you're off, uh, obviously uh, quite often mixing with the opposition as well so you don't really don't get that pressured environment in a, a dressing room in a cricket environment totally different you can uh, live in a cricketing environment for a long period of time in the course of a three to four day game particularly if it's raining um, particularly, um, you know, you, you do tend to spend a lot of time together or in groups or with five or six people in the dressing room, etc. It's hardly ever empty, a cricket dressing room. So it's pretty hard to find um, solace or um, security in there if you're a nervous youngster with things on your mind. And I can understand completely um, uh, Heath Davis's point of view there. Uh, Ian, uh, the TAB are no longer fixing the machines in retail. If one breaks down... They have to call on someone in their own town to fix it. So they're not servicing uh, the broken ones, is uh, what you're saying. Look, uh, overall, I just kind of think that they don't want us to be betting um, in those shops. They're closing the shops down. They, they don't want to be uh, betting uh, with one-on-one. They want us to either bet online or they want us to use the pod machines that are around the joint and educate ourselves, basically, as to how to do it. That takes time. Uh, for people to learn that, a lot of people aren't savvy with that, aren't comfortable with that kind of thing. Also, they're not that comfortable with people watching over their shoulders, uh, watching them have bets, and that's effectively what you do when you're standing in line. If you can see what that guy in front of you or the lady in front of you is back betting on, you take an interest in it. So it's not private. There's nothing private about it. Uh, and don't believe for a second that there is. And, um, of course, um, there are online uh, agencies around the world where you can bet also on your telephone. Uh, just as you can on the TAB in New Zealand. And a lot of people find them um, more acceptable. Uh, their odds are better. Uh, their service is better. Um, so that's what the, the TAB are up against. But it, just um, just an observation that less and less ability to go in physically and put a bet on. If you're passing through town, try and find a TAB. If you don't know where it is, if there is one at all, um, generally it's very, very tough these days. Uh, and it, I, I guess it's a cost thing, but sometimes you just, uh, I think, if you want people to walk into your shop and buy a product, generally you've got to have a shop. 
Um, most of the things that go on at club rugby social events could be seen as gay, says Mark. It's only the insecure and some older generations that have an issue with that. Mm. Okay, thanks for that, Mark. Uh, Kevin, I'll, I'll read your text out to shortly. I totally come get where you're coming from. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.58, uh, just a quick chance to talk to uh, Brendan Popwell on behalf of the TAB Super Bowl uh, playoffs uh, done and dusted. What's on the agenda this week, Pops? It almost seems a little bit quiet. It is, Smithy, yeah. Good morning to you. Um, certainly NBA basketball will, will always press on and be uh, our number one seller through this period. And what I can tell you, we've taken some interest in a match that's coming up later on this afternoon, the Brooklyn Nets versus the Lakers. The Nets are $1.25, but we have taken a bet of $1,800 on the Lakers to win this match at a price of three seventy-five. So that's one of our biggest bets in that match, and it's on the LA Lakers uh, at the big price. In terms of the Brooklyn Nets, we have taken support for them uh, in the margin. So this punt is going the other way, believing the Nets can win by a good margin. Uh, we're taking, they've taken the 11 or over uh, at a price of $2.08 with $1,000 on that. So that's uh, the two big bets. I will jump ahead to another match too and um, around the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we've got a bonus, uh, a boosted bet here, both Clay and Steph to shoot five or more three each. It's 625, uh, so that bet has been uh, well played by punters in terms of uh, the NBA. And the big bash coming up, uh, Smithy, the, uh, of course, the, the winner of this plays the Perth Scorchers. We've taken $5,000 on the Sydney Sixers to win this match at $1.62, and there's money for the Black Caps. There was support for them in Game 1 and some for Game 2. There's money for them against India, uh, currently two fifty-five. India, $1.47. Brendan Popple there with all the odds from the TAB. Uh, India, I'd take India, I think, buck, buck 47. Uh, what we will do uh, after 11 o'clock is uh, talk some uh, Tuatara franchise, shall we? We'll do that. The Tuatara franchise, alive and well. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, SENZ, uh, yeah, it's uh, 11.03 as we uh, head into the last hour before we hand over to uh, Mark Stafford for his uh, afternoon show. And uh, it's been a, a really interesting season, but it's been dogged by wet weather for the Auckland Tour Tara. Uh, they've had bit, uh, wet weather problems here um, in Auckland, of course. They've also had uh, problems with uh, wet weather in Australia too. So it's been touch and go, and uh, you need to have uh, the weather gods smiling on you to progress sometimes. And, uh, and the Auckland Tuatara managed to qualify for the ABL playoffs on the final day of the regular season. So that set up a date with the Adelaide Giants on the road, and whilst that there was, uh, that's where the road ended, there's no doubt uh, plenty to build on for this franchise uh, joining us now is their uh, CEO, who does uh, all the groundwork behind the scenes. We've often talked to Steve Smith, uh, Steve Mintz as manager, uh, but how about Regan Wood, the, the CEO? Regan, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Uh, one of the uh, interesting things we uh, talked to Steve Mintz about was access to your own home ground for, for practice, and that he was most miffed as he headed uh, into that playoff series at home, that final one at home. Um, have you been able to resolve uh, the ability to play or practice on your own surface? 
Oh, we don't need to because we went to Australia. But uh, look, it is something that you know he's used to and they're used to. Is you get you you have a home and that's where you practice and you play from. What we're uh, I guess from a you know New Zealand sports point of view, traditionally thinking is you play at these cathedrals or these wonderful grounds and you practice at the at the local ground. So that's something that we'll have to look to um, you know to to adjust for going going forward to next year. Um, and look, the weather just knocked everyone around. That was the unfortunate thing that um, the weather, as you pointed out, it, it just impacted everybody. And everyone was trying their hardest. You know, before that first series against um, Sydney, uh, the field turf guys were there and they said, right, if anyone, uh, this is the, the morning off. And they said, if it rains again, um, you know, you won't be able to play. So it also starts raining. And I'm like, ah, I can't watch this. So I go off and have a coffee, come back. And uh, Mark goes, right, guys, um, if anyone steps on the turf, ask me, is it going to be ready? <laughs> I'm going to yell at them. So keep everyone away, please. I'll get you ready. You'll be playing tonight at 7 o'clock. And sure enough, the field was ready and 7 o'clock we played and we started. Um, and then by Sunday, uh, you know, we had our first rain out. So away it went all year. So, look, everyone everyone was frustrated um, and because baseball players want to play baseball. Coaches want to coach baseball. The administrators want to sell tickets, want to build a crowd. But, uh, no, we, we faced a pretty tough year. And, and here I am. I've just got Matt Feinstein, who's heading home to, uh, to New York. And it's a little cooler over there. But yeah, he can't believe the amount of rain that we have down this part of the world. Oh, OK. Well, uh, bid farewell to, uh, to Matt on uh, our behalf, I'm sure. Listen, uh, a lot of you, and that's the thing you deal with, um, a, a lot of your uh, input comes from overseas, uh, Regan, and it's your part to... to to try and put the whole thing together. Um, even before we look uh, at back at the end of this season, uh, how's next season looking in that regard in terms of uh, retention of staff? Um, look, we'll sit down today. I've got a... Uh, with, the, with the board, um, and Mincy will give his sort of, you know, review of that stuff, and then we'll decide, you know, who who wants to come back, who doesn't want to come back, you know, who's tired, who wants three months' time off, and away we go from there. So... Look, we wouldn't want to change our team. I think, you know, yeah, you'd like another pitcher and probably another hitter. But in the scheme of things, there wasn't one individual as players that you'd want to change. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you like some more personalities, but we all want baseball players as well. So sometimes, you know, having the class clown and uh, them hitting under 200 doesn't work. So it was interesting. So we've already canvassed some of the fans, and they're like, oh, yeah, but last time you had those nuts. I said, last time? We played tw- we played twenty games at home. This time, I said we played twelve. Are you kidding me? You know, so so. Oh yeah, good point. Oh, we just didn't really get to know people, and I'm like, because they weren't here. You know, we didn't get to play. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. So we've also reviewed some of the numbers. You know, and when you look at the percentages, we are a significantly better team this year than we were um, three years ago when we played uh, pre-COVID. But going back to your question, is uh, is retention of staff? Uh, retention of players, or well, that's something that we'll start working on over the next few weeks. But, you know, I think everyone uh, will get invited back, whether they choose to come back, because their lives change or their organisations are with change. But, um, yeah, we, we are, uh, feel very grateful for the players that uh, contributed to Tuatau this year. When you sit down in that uh, board meeting uh, coming up uh, later on in the piece, do you think uh, the the board the feeling within the board will be a, a pretty good one? I mean, in terms of the start of the season, you set your goal on making the playoffs, you achieve that. Um, 
Is that, do you think, um, pretty satisfying from a board point of view? Yeah, look, absolutely. So um, if you think about it, you know, on field, yeah, you'd have to give us a, a B, a B plus, you know, an A or an A plus is winning it all. Um, you know, off the field, I think we're a little disappointed on some of those things, but that was more, I think, more to, you know, the weather impacting because, um, you know, because the size of our stadium, it's not like we've only got 1,500 seats which you can sell out and people are desperate to get a ticket. People in Auckland can look at it and go, oh, well, if the sun's shining, uh, yeah, I'll go tomorrow or I'll go today. So uh, I guess that's where we're very lucky. In one hand, we have this beautiful stadium, and then we're sort of penalised on the, on the sheer size of that, that stadium. But, yeah, the, the board um, you know, the, and the ownership uh, are very happy with what we achieved. Uh, I think you know, if you actually looked at it, you would go, if we had won that first game, we were leading. We just needed six outs to go. Uh, we had the right guy, the right place. It was all planned. Uh, if you were a betting man, you would be betting on us the outcome that would win it. And I think if we won that game, we would then have gone and won the whole thing because that momentum then would have fired you up and you'd roll through it. Saying that, weather came out and it rained in Adelaide, I think the first time in 100 years or something. It rained in January. But we, uh, we Saturday, we had to sit one out. So that's why we ended up playing the double header on, uh, uh, on Sunday. And the double header, I don't think we won... The double header, I think we split them all year, really. Very tough to take those two wins. Uh, so, yeah, there is. Yeah, as from an ownership point of view, a board, yeah, I think they'll be very happy on the on-field stuff. Right. In terms of the, the Tuatara brand, which, of course, is uh, really right in your wheelhouse, as they say, um, obviously making the playoffs, that helps to expand that. Uh, how do you think it's viewed uh, in the Auckland and uh, around the baseball fraternity? Oh, I look, I don't know. I think they'll be you know, pretty pleased that their team made the... The playoffs, um, you know, the the um, uh, that in itself, uh, you know, is what it's all about. And then the club, you know, your season starts again. I'm sure there'll be some people going, yeah, why didn't we win it? There'll be some people who have their five cents in, you know, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Blah, blah, blah. But um, the, um, the, the, I think they would I'll be happy, but I guess we will, I guess we will know after we've done our bit and, and go and speak to that community and go, right, you know, what did you guys like? What do you think? I mean, one of the great things we did was we, right, so they would come early, they'd help us with our setup, and um, they would um, come and they would sit in the dugout with Mincy and Braggs and everybody else. So, so that became uh, quite a good, uh, I guess, well, I was involved from that community, and they got the opportunity from imagine a little league, an under twelve coach gets to sit alongside you know, professional players and professional coaches, and some of those players we believe will go on and play in the in the major league. So, so yeah, great opportunity. I, I think we we did some really good things. Okay, um, one of the uh, interesting things. Uh uh, that you've got to, I uh, guess, do as well is uh, make sure the game grows uh, from a local point of view. So uh, quite a lot of your staff comes in from uh, the outside, uh, pitching staff, etc., coaching staff. What about the growth uh, locally? And uh, are you happy with the way it's perceived and, and uh, you know, the playing strength that you've, you've got from your, your local staff? Um, yeah, look, I think one of the changes that we'll look to at next year is have some... Um local coaches, you know, with a view of developing that. Um, and this is where, uh, you know, professional sport versus amateur grassroots sport, sometimes, you know, they're, they're, they're opposed because the professional sport, you know, needs the outcomes uh, to, to, to be successful and grassroots is all about growing the game. 
But I think we have a responsibility also to help um, grow and um, improve. And so, so from our point of view, I think we will look to maybe we'll still be bringing in that outside help. I think it's really important, but we'll also look to have, you know, one or two New Zealand coaches. We're, we're applicable and, and also but appreciating that for them there's a whole learning experience for them. So it'll be a matter of finding the right people uh, you know, that team fit, that culture fit, and then sort of layering over that. Um, and, and, you know, and that may be local baseball coaches, that may be a cricket coach, it may be someone a little bit different that, that you have a view of and go, well, well, where are they going to be in five years' time? You know, it might even be someone from softball, for instance. Um, and I did reach out to, to those guys and said, look, you know, here's an opportunity to be, be around a, a, a professional organisation. If any of your guys want to come and have a look, you should come and have a look because it's just a different way of of doing things, you know, from where the manager is to the hitting coach. The hitting coach makes decisions on, you know, where this player is based on 40 games. You know, yes, they may be limited by uh, their approach and physically limited. They may not be a major leaguer, but can they help us out in the ABL? What decisions and what do you tinker with? So some pretty fascinating stuff that goes on uh, around that. But, yeah, we have a responsibility to grow the game. So I think the Tuatara is that shop window. I mean, without the Tuatara, I don't think you'd be ringing me or ringing anyone to find out how club baseball went uh, in Auckland. So Tuatara are very important, but also we have a responsibility to help that community and grow that community. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, you know, we probably wouldn't be. You're dead right. Adelaide and uh, Perth, of course, battle it out for the Claxton Shield. Um, of those two franchises, uh, who do you think may well take it out? I think I'd just go with Perth. Um, They've got a little bit of momentum. Adelaide possibly played played their best baseball. They went on a 12-game uh, winning streak. Uh, they went out and bought more players towards the end of the season. Very important for them to win the Claxton Shield. Um, but, you know, Dylan Unsworth was the pitcher they went and grabbed, um, and you'd be staggered on, on what they've done for him. But good, really good pitcher, but, you know, our guys matched up well, and we actually took the win. Yeah, we, we won that game 2-0. Two, two so, Perth at home, uh, Thursday night, uh, I, yeah, I really like uh, Perth. I think they will beat Adelaide. Um, if I yeah, if I was going to gamble on it, uh, yeah, I'd go to, go to Perth. We we were we predicted Perth would beat Brisbane simply because of the momentum and where it was going. Um, and uh, so yeah, and we we would like our chances. I said if we'd won that game one, we had that lead. I would like our chances to bring home this collection shield, which I've never seen, but it's a big shield that everyone gets pretty excited about. Well, Regan, of course, um, in your role, um, you have a chance uh, later today and for a little while, I guess, to review the baseball side of things. But I would imagine you've already put um, the basketball uh, hat on as well already with the uh, NBL season not too far away. How, how are arrangements coming along in that side of things? Yeah, pretty good. So Dale Budge has been, uh, and Aaron have been sort of talking with, with the, the really, the, the important thing was for us, you know, Tuatara culture, what it is, yeah, it's winning, but it's also community, it's about being good people, respecting the game, blah, 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 because right? we're, we're very privileged to be in sport and professional sport, very privileged, and um, so we've had a lot of offers of players wanting to join us, or they're players that prepared to take a, a reduced salary to join us, so I've, I've had to sort of basically, you know, encourage the team just to take their time, we don't have to sign everyone on day one, we can take our time and, and, and basically work our way through the, the players that we've got. We um, Point guard is one of those areas that uh, everybody uh, wants, and we did have a, a player out of Australia, 
um, who agreed, but um, another team managed to uh, you know, come up with some more money, and, and he's gone there. So that'll be good. I think the league will be better this year. Uh, I kind of like some of the players that we've already that are already committed to him, um, and I think we'll be competitive. Um, our biggest issue is uh, event find the stadium was under about a foot of water on Friday. So uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, there wasn't too much damage. Uh, otherwise, we're not only are we looking for some players, we're looking for a new home. Yeah, that will be interesting to see, and uh, a lot of uh, Auckland sporting venues under pressure in that regard. When it comes to the basketball side of things, we know how wide you spread your net for baseball. Is, do you spread the, the net equally wide for basketball? Well, no, you don't really need to because you've got a lot of schools uh, in in New Zealand or in Australia. So, so you have the players. So, you know, you're going to make that up of you know your starting five and who come off the bench, some of your amateur players because. You know, part of our, you know, the Tuatara is we are, you know, we see ourselves as a community team. So the likes of um, Charlie Dalton, um, uh, you know, the, the, those those are young guys that are going to go to college. So when we had Dante last year, you know, he's a young amateur player. He gets to play game, play with Rob Love and Chris Johnson, which from a college point of view, that that is applauded because they can look it up and go, okay, he's playing against professional, he's playing against men. This is a very good, this is very good development for this young man. So we'll throw a few of those guys in, you know, with Tom Beattie and so forth. Um, yeah, we don't have to go too far because there's so much talent in New Zealand. I mean, basketball's done a great job of growing the sport in New Zealand. You know, you could argue they've done it, you know, through great planning, uh, great resources, or it just happened organically. And I don't know the answer to that. But uh, yeah, we don't have to have those relationships. Um, that we do with the San Diego Padres, the Rangers, the Baltimore Orioles and stuff. Because baseball is very different because you have that major league team where you get 7000 a minimum, a minimum of $7,000 US dollars a day to play, plus you're on chartered flights and everything else, to all the way down to minor league baseball. And the guys playing minor league baseball, it's about doing their friendship, it's about grinding, it's about getting better every day to get that opportunity. Where basketball... It's college and it's NBA, or you're playing somewhere else. Um, so you know that that, that it's, it's a different model. So we don't necessarily need to have those. We have different relationships, and those relationships sit squarely uh, in New Zealand because there's so much talent uh, around. And that's been young men that have gone off to college in America wanting to come back for that opportunity, or they've been professionals and they may have played in Australia, they may have played in Israel, they may have played you know in Germany and so forth. So, yeah, we don't have to go um, too far. The league here in New Zealand, it has three imports, a maximum of three imports. I think it works really well. And I think, you know, a great example of that last year was when Manawatu rolled us, you know, and we're not too far from the finals, and Manawatu beat us at home. And that was magic for them. I didn't enjoy it. I was there watching it. But it was great for basketball. It was great for the league. So, yeah, I think they've got the model... Yeah, you know, I, I like the model in New Zealand because um, you don't. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money to bring in a whole lot of imports if you don't need to, because you can get players around. We're very lucky in Auckland because you know this is the nursery ground for, for basketball. You know, there's a lot of players in Auckland. Always great catching up with you, uh, Regan. Uh, all the best with your, your preparations, uh, getting Aaron Young back uh, from his stint with the Melbourne United and getting your teeth into things. Uh, we're all pretty excited about it. Uh, all the best. Uh, go well, and we'll catch up again shortly. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity.
Appreciate it. Cheers, uh, Regan Wood there, of course, who uh, is the CEO of uh, the Auckland Tuatara franchises. Uh, I say that, 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 that the label, um, that's his gig. He's responsible for both of them. So uh, very busy man there and uh, even dropping people back at the airport, etc. Um, that's uh, what he's all about on a day-to-day proposition and uh, he's a busy, busy man. So uh, it's exciting. Um, heck of uh, an exhilarating job, particularly when the sun shines. And uh, your stadiums don't flood, I would imagine. 11.21 here on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith with a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Before we get to it, Smithy, Brian has just sort of alluded me to the fact that the Wallabies have a documentary coming out from Stan Sport called The Test. There's also a documentary series about the Australian cricket team called The Test. Who's going to watch the one about the Wallabies? Well, losers, for a start. <laughs> people are, people want to uh, look at something and think there's got to be something worse going on in, in life uh, than what I'm going through at the moment. So people that are on a bit of a down, I would watch it. To make themselves feel better, I would imagine. Why would they? Why, why couldn't they come up with a, a better name or an original name? <laughs> it's it, obviously, it's obviously it's been done by the same company. Is it a Amazon thing or something of that nature, where they get into the dressing room and uh, get the the nitty gritty side of things, so to speak? Um, look, would you watch it? Uh, only if you would like to, uh, to see Australians in pain, I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, some comfort viewing on a bad day, Smithy. But uh, let's get to the business of Stump, and first at the crease, we've got Reid from Gore. Come in, mate. G'day, Smitty and Logan. How are we getting on, guys? Happy New Year. Haven't spoke, spoken to you this year. Yep, same to you, uh, Reid. All the very best. Hope uh, way down there south it's uh, going to be a, a fruitful year for you and a uh, profitable one. So um, let's, uh, let's begin that by giving you the chance to win... 50 bucks from us. Uh, Logan, what are the categories for Reed today? Yeah, we'll see how fruitful you might get here, mate. Topics for you today are the FA Cup, the Rugby Sevens, and the NFL. Take your pick. Uh, I'll just go NFL. All right, good luck. First question for you, Reed. The Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles in this year's Super Bowl. They both won the big dance in the last five years. What team did Philadelphia beat in 2018 to win their last one? Uh, Was it the 49ers? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy and the 49ers. All right, over to you, mate. Patriots. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right well, in the slot. And away it goes. Cool as you like, Smithy. Stumped him. Back to the cre- uh, back to the pavilion. You go, Reed. Up to the crease now. Scott from Wellington. Come in, mate. Morning, Logan. Morning, Smithy. How you going? G'day, Scotty. How you, boy? All right? Yeah, good, thanks. Happy New Year. Same to you, man. Same to you. Uh, what's the day like in the capital today? Um, I'm actually not in Wellington at the moment. I'm actually in New Plymouth. So, and it's, uh, oh, I, it's I, cloudy. I can see the mountain in the distance and it's uh, just very dull. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Okay. That's fine. 
At least we know it's still there, though. That's good. Uh, right. Okay. What are we look? What, what are we looking at uh, for question two in the NFL? Very dull. I love that. All right, Scott. Second question for you: Who did the Kansas City Chiefs defeat in the 2020 Super Bowl? Was that the Rams? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, nah, uh, nah, okay. don't go talking on my Rams like that. Smithy, over to you. Did they beat the 49ers? That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, gone. Another stumping. Yeah, they beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. Smithy, you're on a hat-trick ball here, mate. I'm on a hat-trick ball, but I'm a little bit worried about the bloke coming out um, uh, to uh, face the hat-trick, I've got to say. Um, he's an experienced campaigner, this man, and he knows pretty much what there is to know about most things. But what about his NFL knowledge? That is a crunch. We shall see. Craig from Tauranga, how are you with your NFL knowledge, bud? Not great, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> not great at all. <laughs> all right. Well... I had two options here for this last question. Make it hard or make it medium. So I might go medium here. This year's Super Bowl will have a pair of brothers on opposing teams. Can you name one of them? Oh. No, I can't. Jeez, um, is that your medium question? No, I'm going to have to give Smitty the crack at that. Sorry, I, d- I don't know. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I'll tell you, my hard question was to name both of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Smithy. Okay. I can only name one of them. I've mentioned the other one's name this morning because we talked about uh, these brothers uh, in our interview uh, with Jared Cronin. Um, the bad boy, one of them, will be playing for the Kansas City Chiefs and hopefully receiving passes on a regular basis from Patrick Mahomes. And his name is Travis Kelsey. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, Smithy, there you go. Hat-trick ball, one, two, three stumps. Excellent job. I would never have thought, actually, uh, that I'd get three NFL questions right in a row, but um, I did. Uh, You're in the zone. Shown I'm, I'm in the zone, but I love it. I'm loving it lately, so... Um, yeah, Craig. Hey, thanks very much for taking part, mate. And uh, we'll catch you next no time when you no when you ring when you ring through. Uh, good on you, man. Uh, Craig from Tauranga there. Uh, yes. So uh, tomorrow, good news as we'll be playing for a hundred bucks when we ask for your calls around about eleven thirty. It is uh, coming up to eleven forty now. Uh, and when we come back, yeah, I'll just catch up with uh, Logan Swinkles too on the breakers. Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field? Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.45, yeah, great result last night for the Breakers. Uh, Adelaide 36 is upsetting the apple cart for the Cairns Taipans, uh, 99 to 96, uh, which has implications for. Uh, the breakers, they're sitting back waiting. They know they're in the playoffs. But, Logan, how significant? Yeah, I know that killed your multi, but uh, breakers fans probably will be rejoicing a little bit around that because really need the Cairns Taipans to slip up for a chance to make it through to the top two, which, of course, will see them go straight through to the NBL semifinals and not have to play that uh, play-in tournament. As it currently stands, 
The Breakers are one win behind the Cairns Taipans. The Breakers still have two games. Cairns only have one left. So if the Breakers win both their games, they'll definitely clearly shot over Cairns and win. The other thing there is that the Breakers also have the tiebreaker against Cairns in the points uh, percentage, which comes down to the defence first mentality that Modi Mayor employs with that team. So if... Cairns can uh, lose their last game of the season. That would be great because uh, they're up against the Perth Wildcats on the road as well. That'll be a really tough ask, whereas the Breakers travel to Illawarra for Thursday night and then they wrap up their regular season in Brisbane against the Bullets. So it's looking good for the Breakers right now, but I, I'm, I'm not going to say they're out and out going to get there just yet. Okay. Uh, we talked this morning uh, to Noel Barclay, former All White, about uh, the FA Cup. And uh, what we didn't give you is uh, the draw for the next round, and we can tell you that uh, March the second is going to be very busy, <coughs> very busy indeed. Excuse me, I'll have a drink <coughs> while I get through this, uh, Logan. You might want to yeah, read I'll, out I'll a take over, mate. I'll take read over. Read out a couple of texts. <laughs> All right. Well, me. on the uh, Temper Beer Post text machine, we've got an interesting <coughs> one here from Brian. Morning, Ian. Mm. Your googling speed has definitely improved for Stump by Smithy. Have you been training over the break? L O L. What is that? What is he alluding to there? That I'm cheating here? What is he saying, Brian? Well, I will say we've got a camera on you <laughs> during the show, and I can tell for a fact you are not googling. You're sitting there, ready, ready to pounce, ready to stomp somebody. So definitely no googling involved. I think you just you're dialed in on the NFL at the moment, mate. That's all it is. I've dialed in. Um, also, um, the last one I knew because we uh, talked about that bloke this morning. So, um, and I can't even remember what his brother's name was. Jason. Uh, is it Mark? Jason, there you go. So I would have got that wrong, but yeah, Travis and Jason Kelsey. So that that last one was like uh, on the plate for me. Uh, Brian, you only have to realise, of course, mate, that uh, our win rate on this is probably, whew, how often do we get it up to 100, 150 bucks? Not very often indeed. So um, I'm thinking about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think about Googling, to hell with it. Uh, but I won't, because it's, uh, being an honest wicket keeper, of course, we never appeal for anything that's never out. Um, uh, so there you go. So I'll just play the honest way and be useless from uh, here on in again. Uh, Brad has come in and said, as a Manchester United fan, I don't want Kane. I don't want Harry Kane. Why buy an overage, uh, overaging, overrated striker? Uh, Brad, fine. Don't have him. We'll keep him. We'll keep him. I mean, he, over, Brad, I mean, he's it, it, just gone past... Oh, it's just equal to just gone past Jimmy Greaves as the greatest Spurs uh, striker of all time in terms of goals. And I think he's about number three or four on the whole of uh, British football in terms of um, the Premier League as such as well. Kevin's come in and said, uh, rather than football in Europe, how about some local stuff? Anna Green's retirement combined with Ertzig and Percival's injury. Uh, what does the Ferns' defence look like for the World Cup? Where is the All-Whites coach? Kevin, very valid question. Uh, we will uh, endeavour to answer that for you tomorrow. We'll try and get a football pundit on with all those questions in terms of... Yeah, and a great question too. Where is the All-Whites coach? Where is the All-Whites coach? I mean, is that not uh, one of the most powerful positions of football in New Zealand, yet it sits vacant? Uh, that's a really good point. Could we exist with our Silver Ferns coach chair being empty this long, with our cricket coach head coach chair being empty this long? Dare I say, the all-black chair. Uh, so, you know, all of those particular codes, it's a very valid point that you make, Kevin. We'll try and answer those questions for you as early as tomorrow. 
And uh, before I nearly choked, I was about to give you that FA Cup round draw. March the 2nd, actually, uh, will be a very busy time. They're all scheduled to go at 9am our time, so uh, great viewing. Uh, Southampton uh, will play either Luton or Grimsby. Leicester City will play either Blackburn or Birmingham. Stoke City will play Brighton, who uh, upset Liverpool. Wrexham, uh, the fairy tale team, uh, or Sheffield United, will play Spurs. Uh, Fulham uh, or Sunderland will play Leeds United. Bristol City will play Manchester City. Tough one there. Manchester United will host either Derby County or West Ham. And Ipswich or Burnley will play either Sheffield Wednesday or Fleetwood, my new favourite team. Fleetwood, my new favourite team. So a number of playoffs between now and then, quite clearly. Uh, and uh, the first of those is, uh, I believe, tomorrow, and that will be Blackburn Rovers against Birmingham. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for that as well. And uh, uh, just from that, th- just quickly yes? on that, Smithy, uh, earlier this morning as well in the FA Cup, West Ham have knocked out Derby County 2-0, so they'll be the ones that take on Man United. Right, okay, West Ham, West Ham getting up, uh, much needed win for their <coughs> for for their uh, morale, if nothing else, because in terms of the EPL, uh, they're battling a wee bit. Uh, Brad says, uh, "Oh, he's come back in as Neil Brad." Uh, you keep Kane Smithy and sell your trophy cabinet. You don't need it. Yeah, good one, Brad. Yeah, absolute comedian. What a oh, what a joker you are. <coughs> Uh, you've sold everything. You get. What about you guys? Buy your soul back. You sold it to Ronaldo. You Manchester United fans. Buy your soul back, Brad. All gone to the uh, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Brad, not big on you at the moment. It's eleven fifty-two here on SENZ. We'll have Staffy shortly.